Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Anyways, hello and welcome to Drunk Dish, <laughs> where three delicious dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process. This is episode number 36. Well, we will be talking about Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos. Awesome. Uh, I'm Melissa. I'm Amy. And I'm Kate. Yay, we haven't been together in so long. <laughs> we still remember our names. Yay. <laughs> As we sob into the mics. Uh <laughs> Now that we've introduced ourselves every episode, Kate likes to ask us one food-related question. So, Kate, what is tonight's question? Okay, so this is not really topically related, except for um, timing-wise, it's uh, like comfort food season starting. And I think we've already had some comfort food questions and and conversation, but um, my husband was on a call today with work and uh, a conversation started that made me kind of giggle and um, the question is uh, is chicken soup the best smell to take a nap to like I was not expecting the last <laughs> part of that question at like, all. I was shaking my head yes as you were talking. I was like, no matter what she says next. It's yeah. going to be yes. So like <laughs> to put it into context, um, you know, you think of like the smell of like a turkey cooking for 16 hours or like a really long baking cake or bread. Um, but like to me, for me, and I, you guys usually answer first, but um, just to put this in context, the smell of chicken soup just is so comforting and nostalgic. Um, and like, it's so easy to sort of take a little, and I know you guys are into naps too, um, to take a little nap. Like it's a Sunday afternoon and that, you know, things are quiet and kind of mellow and, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nod off. Maybe I was reading a book or watching a movie and uh, just take a little nap. And then, you know, just having this sort of, I don't know, envelopment of this kind of comfort smell. And uh, to, for me, it's totally chicken soup. That's baffling to me. I know, that's a really weird <laughs> question. <laughs> uh, Melissa, what's your best nap scent? <laughs> I mean, it's definitely not. So chicken soup isn't a thing I ever make. Okay. So like, I can't even really think of like what a smell smell of chicken. Like I'm not a big soup person to begin with, but if I do get soup or make soup, I'm going to get like a, like a stew or broccoli and cheese or something. I'm just not a like chicken noodle soup gal. Um, So, I mean, I guess like any sort of bread baking is really nice, but honestly i mean rain smell which is not food related at all but if it's like a rainy dreary day and you've got that like fall leaves oh yeah mm-hmm. rain smell wafting through the house like that is like premium napping conditions yeah yeah oh my god it's so good i especially like it when my cat sleeps in the open window because then he smells like rainy outside and <laughs> when i snuggle him 
when I snuggle him, I give him some uh, deep sniffs, and he's like, like, "What the fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> like, stop best it. smelling cat." Nice. Oh my god, I love right. it so much. Yeah, it's then, and, and that is such a that is, again, that is such a sort of specific emotion evoking mm-hmm. smell. Like, there's mm-hmm. certainly yeah. that. Like, mm-hmm. like I felt I find food smells comforting. Like I said, bread definitely is a very mm-hmm. comforting smell. Any sort of like baked good, like pie or cookies or anything like that is very comforting, but I don't associate it with like taking a nap. Okay. Because yeah. I'm making it generally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, 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 well, Amy, I'll, I'll let you answer and then, and then I'll, I'll embellish a little bit more. <laughs> so I think like for smells to take a nap too, I would not think... Like I would not think anything food related for the same reason that Melissa said. I usually cook, I cook chicken noodle soup like at least once a month, probably like once every three weeks um, from scratch. It's delicious. It's my favorite soup. And it's like the most comforting food smell I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I usually cook it in a slow cooker. So like that, okay. but like. You lose so, that. Yeah. But the, so like I, but when you open it up, it's like so nice. Um, (laughs) But like most of the other food smells, as much as I love them, like baking bread or baking cookies, like I would never be able to nap while smelling those because I would think, even though like logically I would know that like I'm going to burn something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I was thinking like, no, I want to eat them. That too. That too. But like. But like also if that, it, I yeah. smell it because I'm cooking it, then like I cannot sit down. Like I cannot mm-hmm. sit down when I'm baking because I will mm-hmm. lose track of time or I'll fall asleep. I'll get sleepy. Like the moment I am still, I am dead. Like mm-hmm. I'm like that's what a timer's for, girl. That's it. Does not because the, the, like, I, I, I have a small apartment yeah. to be fair, so like the timer is it's loud. Like yeah. if I were even if I dozed off in the living room, it would probably wake me up. Yeah, so that's fair. I would, I would have to second what Melissa said for falling asleep smells, which is like that like fall, crisp, like like rainy, mm. dreary day smell, <laughs> like the dead leaves mixed with the rain smell. Like that's that's like perfect napping smell. I don't think it, like I said, I don't think I could nap to like any food smells because I'm cooking them. And if I'm right. cooking them, I'm very like I'm alert and attentive or hungry. The- yeah. Well, the, yes, all of the all of those things. The only reason that like it would be for me, it would be like chicken soup or um, like tomato, like fresh tomato sauce or like mm-hmm. a, a roasting turkey or roasting. Stuff that's like simmering and taking a something that's going to yeah. take 65 yeah. hours. And so what else are you going to do in that middle time? Like take that's a little true. nappy. So, yeah. But no, I, the the um, the wet leave crisp fall afternoon smell is mm. Mm. such a yes mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yep I also love the spring rain smell it's sort of oh for sure other yeah. end of that but for mm-hmm. some reason the spring rain smell is like invigorating as opposed to yeah, like you want to go out in it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like let's go for a walk in the rain I'm gonna go splash in some puddles yeah let's yeah. get crazy let's get yeah. ringworm you know <laughs> funny funny mm-hmm. oh my goodness all right. Well, that's that. So, yes, a little little view into our war psyche this evening. Um, <laughs> I like Melissa, that question. Thanks. What yeah, no, I like 
Sorry, what? I liked no. how it threw me off. I was like, what the fuck is she talking <laughs> Where about? Where is she going with this? It was, I was just like, how am I going to No, really... I like it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I like Excellent. it. Nice. What are we drinking tonight? So I'm excited because I really love this drink. Not as excited because I picked this drink because I thought it was Mexican. And then it turns out it's really not. <laughs> it's American. Cool. Mm. Uh, I mean, the Mexican thing about it is that it's got tequila in it. Um, but anyways, this is a whole thing. I also thought it would be like a straightforward, oh, some bro in Mexico made it in like 1946, or maybe this other bro in Mexico made it in 1946, but no, it's like a whole thing. But anyways, we are, uh, uh, well, I am drinking a Paloma or La Paloma, mm -hmm. um, which is one of my favorite drinks. It consists of two ounces of tequila, a half ounce of fresh lime juice. Um, grapefruit soda to top. So traditionally either squirt, which I'm going to say squirt a lot in this episode. <laughs> you your um, notes and that was the only word that I could like see on the page. It just squirt <laughs> over and over again. And I was like, what is she talking well, about? I tweeted because I put notes to like show, like show you guys pictures in my notes. So it says squirt timeline pick <laughs> and then more squirt picks. <laughs> so I, saw, I like I saw more that's perfect. a whole different yeah. thing yeah I posted that on Twitter and I was like it's not what it sounds like mm -hmm. um mm, sure or like a Doritos makes a grapefruit soda there's a bunch I'm I'm using um Pellegrino because unfortunately when we ordered our groceries online none of the other versions I wanted squirt or Doritos were like the two that mm -hmm. I wanted um but they only had the Pellegrino grapefruit soda so that's what I'm using um and is always then, good yeah, and fresca as well. Um, and then you just garnish with a lime wheel and then salted rim if you prefer. I have my drink in my reusable insulated cup to keep it cold. <laughs> so I do not have a salted rim. And some people do recommend that if you're not going to salt the rim, just throw like a pinch of salt into the actual drink because it is pretty sweet mm. and, yeah. and also tart because you've got the bitter lime and the bitter grapefruit on the back end. Uh, you can also class it up a little bit. Um, the traditional, I mean, there's, again, we'll get into it. There's really no traditional, but the traditional recipe I'm doing air quotes uh, is with grapefruit soda. You can class it up if you want to like get fancy and go on some fancy website. They'll tell you that you can use uh, fresh grapefruit juice uh, and then soda water and then add simple syrup depending on how sweet um the like grapefruit juices or what have you like if it's fresh grapefruit you're definitely going to want to put some simple syrup in there obviously combine the tequila 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 mm -hmm. and lime juice um fill it with ice and then just top it with grapefruit soda and you're good to go delicious cool nice so on to the history so like i said before uh, shock of all shocks the history is muddy <laughs> like nobody fucking knows what's going on but the paloma is a really special like kind of mystery that like i didn't even realize when i looked into it that i was going to go down a fucking rabbit hole and write like three pages those about are the best this kinds of stupid things, fucking though. cocktail so uh <laughs> for full disclosure i got most of this information from an amazing post titled paloma history tracing the facts and fiction about this tequila talk cocktails history by camper english um, on his website, Alcademics, which is a really amazing website. Um, Camper English is a mixologist and a scientist. He actually pioneered um, the method for getting completely clear ice that basically all bartenders 
use today to get just that perfect, like you put it in a glass and it disappears style ice. He created that. Oh, cool. So he started this article in 2017 and has been updating it ever since as he finds new information. Oh, man. That's dedication. Yeah. Yeah. So I will try and remember to link to this article on the blog because this is really like where all of my information came from because he's so thorough. So for a long time, the Wikipedia entry for the popular tequila-based cocktail said that it was first referenced in a book titled Popular Cocktails of the Rio Grande by an Evan Harrison. Um, but the problem with that is that the book doesn't actually seem to exist. Um, the book was never registered with the copyright office and it do- and the author doesn't appear to have any registered works. Hmm. So first weird thing. <laughs> the Wikipedia entries that referenced the text only went back to February 2012. Uh, and the only other references on the rest of the internet in total popped up a year later in February of 2013. Hmm. So all the changes after that were made between November 9th and November 30th of 2013. Very so Very weird. So all the entries embellished or changed or gave more and more like elaborate details to this insane story. So I do have a snippet of one of the stories that was posted about the creation of this cocktail, which is fucking insane. So uh, this is a quote. The first published recipe for the Paloma is attributed to Evan Harrison in a 1953 pamphlet entitled Popular Cocktails of the Rio Grande. But it was thought to be created by rival rival, rival tavern manager Manuel Gonzalez, who named it for his true love. Manuel had courted her for many years, but when Evan published the drink in his pamphlet, Manuel, in a fit of jealous rage, arrived to her small Puebla in La Guadalupe del Tortugas, and shot both her and himself in front of her family at her Fiesta de Quince Años. Don't know what that is. Uh, legend has it, his last words were, con liam, co- hmm. there's a lot of Spanish here, guys, and I'm really going to fucking butcher it. Con liam no es pamelo, which is a crazy story because it means the rival tavern manager started courting this girl when she was 11 in order to kill her at her 15th birthday party four years later, but such was life in 1950s Mexico. Wow. Well, you don't have to bob because this is so obviously bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) This isn't real. It's completely made up. But I'm invested because it's like like a Telemundo. So, <laughs> and i'm like really want to know okay so is that kind of like so that oh, okay so fiesta de quinceaños is her 15th birthday yeah, i should have been able yeah. to figure that out like a quinceanera yes mm-hmm. yes but such was life in 1950s mexico apparently such is um, life. i really appreciate that phrase because whoever wrote that wikipedia entry was like using gonna... their big brain yep yep that's some big brain thinking so what's the tea here Right. I'm watching a lot of drag race. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. It's great. <laughs> I did that on a work call the other day and people were so confused. Anyways. <laughs> so come to find out Evan Harrison is a real person and bartender from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Hmm. Fucking A. Oddly enough. Only miles away from where the posts originated on Wikipedia from, hmm. based on the IP address. Hmm. 
Hmm. So apparently back in 2009, some pranksters from the bar Drink in Boston decided that it would be funny to alter a bunch of Wikipedia pages on popular cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> the idea was to see what they could get away with and how long it would take moderators to realize what happened and take the entries down. It ended up being years. <laughs> Drinks that were affected by these fake entries were the margarita, the Mai Tai, the Sazerac, the Old Fashioned, and the Bijou. Like real, because, like, like big yeah, yeah, drinks. Yeah. Well, yeah. so because there was so little information out there about the Paloma specifically, the fake stories were repeated as fact for years. Mm-hmm. So essentially uh, yeah, they got picked someone... up and spread out through the internet. Because if you go to the Paloma Wikipedia, it's like a paragraph. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there at all. Like it, it's, it's useless. This is also a really good example of why you shouldn't only get your information from Wikipedia and you should back it up with actual sources. Yep. I don't understand what's hard about this. And in, in, in my class I'm in right now, the professor had to post a whole thing about not using Wikipedia <laughs> yeah, for yeah. references. And I'm Yikes. like, bitch, why would you, I stay as far away from Wikipedia as possible when I'm researching stuff for yeah. school. Yep. For this, I don't generally give a fuck and I'll use Wikipedia, but for school, Anyways, don't, it's not, anybody can edit it. <laughs> yeah. It's not like good. that episode of 30 Rock where uh, they're making that Janis Joplin biopic and they just keep editing. <laughs> like she speed walks <laughs> everywhere. And like, they just, oh, I love yeah. that episode. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. So who the fuck actually invented the Paloma? We have no fucking idea. So A popular theory is that the Paloma was created by Don Javier at the famous bar La Capilla in Tequila, Mexico. But Javier himself denies that he invented the drink. Hmm. Hmm. So experts say he invented the drink, but he's like, nah, nah, bro, I didn't didn't invent the, the drink. So I don't know. We've Weird. got like literally no idea when or by whom the drink was created. Uh, but English has a good breakdown of what he thinks happened, and it is tied directly to the grapefruit soda squirt. So the the squirt. first. <laughs> Sorry, the, I'm real mature. No, guys. no, you're fine. I, I mean, the entire time I was researching this, I'm like, oh, squirt. I hadn't heard of squirt until a few years ago. I was with a friend, and we went to a restaurant, a uh, like Mexican restaurant near where I live, and they they. I guess sometimes have squirt and he he like specifically asked for a, a, I have beverage, a beverage with squirt and I was like <laughs> I had to wait until the waitress walked away because I was like what the what fuck the did f- you did you just did you just assault that waitress did you ask her to squirt <laughs> no it's fucking soda and I was like what <laughs> oh my god that's so good yeah, it's but anyways, it's a terrible name. So <laughs> it's a really bad name. The first written recipe for the actual cocktail doesn't show up um until 2005 in the book Killer Cocktails by David Wondrich. If you don't know who David Wondrich is, I've mentioned him on the show before. He's like a super famous mixologist and bartender. If you're interested in cocktails and drinks at all, make sure you follow him on all the things because he's a genius. He's written like 8 million books, but that's 2005. The drink's obviously been around for longer than that. The only earlier reference that English could find was to a virgin Paloma recipe in Grady Spears' book, Cowboy Cocktails, which didn't have any tequila in it. Cowboy Cocktails. Yeah. So (laughs) that's like, that's another thing that could have a double entendre. A true. 
It was cowboy. Oh yeah, baby. Cock give, give me a tailed. cowboy cocktail. <laughs> <clears throat> also, I just realized I had pictures I wanted to show you, and I xed out the fucking thing. Oh okay. no. Hold on. I just in my notes, I've gotten I've gotten to the point because I'm so used to Melissa just pulling stuff up while I talk, <laughs> and I'm like, tell Melissa to Google it. <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully my connection fucking holds out. <laughs> Squirt timeline. Yeah. So. According to the Squirt's own website, the soda was used to mix Palomas for the first time in 1950, but Squirt wasn't imported into Mexico until 1955. As you can see here by the Squirt timeline, where 1941 Little Squirt is born. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 1950, hmm, this drink could use something. Squirt becomes a popular ingredient in refreshing cocktails such as Palomas. Oh my goodness. But then 1955, time to take a trip to south of the border. Squirt launches in Mexico. Honey, people been squirting in Mexico since way before 1955. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, oh so, so what the fuck's the deal? <laughs> now you can see my notes. You're seeing behind the curtain. <gasps> It's uh, the, the squirt deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> so that can be the name of the episode, squirt deep dive. <laughs> so we it's know. It's definitely not the name of my new band. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So we know squirt was invented in 19. Well, you guys don't know. I know. I said we know, but I'm telling you right now. They're all one. That squirt was invented in 1938 in Phoenix. Phoenix. Oh my fucking god, I'm drunk. Okay, in Phoenix, Arizona, and was the go. first commercially produced grapefruit soda. Now, grapefruits weren't growing in Mexico until the 1960s, so the theory is that the Paloma did not exist until grapefruit soda did. So we're still tying the existence of the Paloma to squirt. Okay. So according to Wondrich, you start seeing references to. Oh my god, I looked up how to fucking say this. Shangarongo. That's I think good. It, I think it's Shangarongo, which was tequila mixed with soda in the 1940s. So at some point, somewhere, someone somewhere in Mexico after 1955 put squirt into tequila. An ad I mean, for who wouldn't you mix? Like, why wouldn't you mix something with tequila? It tastes yeah. like. No, like that's sadness. yeah, that's the point. I mean, they have a whole term <laughs> just for mixing tequila with soda. Yeah. <clears throat> an ad for squirt in 1973 says to mix the soda with your favorite spirit like gin vodka whiskey rum or tequila but does not mention the paloma by name more squirt picks <laughs> show me so those squirt here, picks yeah so here we got a good squirt pick it will do wonders squirt for your will, spirits yeah it will do wonders <laughs> for your spirits <laughs> it's just effective speed. marketing um <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I'm going to try and get people to come on our show and they're going to listen and they're going to be like, you're too dirty. We can't, I don't know what you're talking about. We're talking about soda. What? Uh, so this is the 1973 ad where it says you can put it in like all of these different things, whatever. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then these are like little <laughs> tiny ads that David Wondritz had tweeted. Squirt is a wonderful mixer with tequila, Applejack and slow gin, whatever your favorite drink may be next time you make it with squirt. Mm. That's great. Mm -hmm. There's Squirt Boy. Oh, wait, wait no, no, sorry. Little Squirt. Little no. Squirt. <laughs> no. No. And he tells you why. That's I mean, squirt. people call their call, call little kids Squirt, right? 
Yeah, that's the thing. I Did it that's... come from this? Or yeah. Did the, which Maybe. came first? I don't know. That's Ooh. a whole other podcast. Oh. So at this point, <laughs> there's got to be an earlier reference than 2000, right? <laughs> like, it's impossible that the Paloma only showed up in 2000. But there's no proof of that. That's so, so weird. English did an insane amount of research here. What he found didn't really help clear anything up. Uh, there is reference to a Paloma cocktail in a book published in 1957 from Madrid, El Bar and en El Mundo, but it is a completely different recipe with gin, orange juice, and Cointreau. Weird. So that's, that's, totally that's the different. history of the Paloma. The question mark, question mark, question mark of the Paloma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, I have a I theory. Mean, ooh, it, ooh. It's aliens. <laughs> It's done with me. I want I already to had this. Sorry. I already had this argument with people at work. I'm not having it with you. <laughs> I, don't I even... will not. I will not be ostracized. <laughs> but anyway, it's very delicious. Any, anytime you can't explain something from history, it's aliens. Yes, 100. They built the That's, pyramids. Yeah, and Stonehenge. Forget yep. the slaves that are buried in the walls. Aliens mm. did it. Yeah, it's just it's just to throw us off the track. We're losing followers as I speak. You, we, <laughs> we did. We had followers to start with. <laughs> we got a few. We got a few. Oh we my goodness! We got that one person that tweeted at us about her music box. I didn't know her. No, like an actual the ballerina music box. Not oh you know, yeah oh. yeah that's right that's right yeah yeah not her special place. Although because if you want to tweet at us about, about that, that's fine. <laughs> I'm for it. More power to you. You see, Lily Allen just came out with a vibrator. Crazy. Nice. Yeah. Anyways, Amy. Yeah. Now that we've so, done this respectful, uh, or this uh, knowledge about a drink that obviously wasn't invented in Mexico, or it yeah. was, someone just threw grapefruit soda and and uh, freaking squirt together and then just yeah. didn't write it anywhere. So we have no idea where it came from. I Somebody mean, was like, this tequila tastes like shit. What can we do to fix it? It's really grown on me. Oh, <laughs> the, the days I of like. Be very anti-tequila, only in really sweet like margaritas, like at a restaurant. But now I'm like, I'm getting into it. I think, nice. I, think for, I think for me, it's the days of Cuervo Gold are far, far beyond, beyond behind me, thankfully. The first, very first commercial tequila maker. Oh. Okay. Well, that's fine, but when when tequila <laughs> makes my teeth feel like they're doing weird things when they're like rubbing together weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just, it yeah. does a weird thing to my teeth. I mean, yeah. It makes them feel like they're cotton. Something. But, but like silver, <laughs> like, so like Hornitos silver or like it something that. It makes your teeth feel like cotton? It yes. makes for me. It makes them feel like, like there's some. Yeah, they just. Mm -hmm, it does something real weird to like. All right, let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> the tea real quick, up. real quick. Uh, tequila sidebar. Even though that's what we're talking about, yeah. I don't know how to do sidebars because I'm so usually on the receiving end of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the first time I ever had tequila as a as a human being was when I was in <laughs> not an alien. <laughs> You're a fucking alien. That's why you believe they were here. You know. Yes. Did you build the pyramids? Yep, it's all me. Call um, my friend Christian. <laughs> 
but was uh, in graduate school. And uh, graduate school is completely different than regular college, man. But we were all uh, sitting in a hotel drinking together because that's what graduate school is. I mean, um, that and stress. <laughs> that's well, yeah. Well, you're drinking with your professors in graduate school. That's the difference. Nice. Oh, okay. yes. Um, so I was drinking in in this hotel, and uh, the person who was was to be my first uh, mentor in my graduate program had a coffee mug and I made a comment oh you're drinking coffee it's like 10 30 at night and he goes this is not coffee this is tequila I'm just <laughs> drinking it out of a coffee mug so I don't get in trouble for drinking in a hotel lobby <laughs> and I was like teach me your ways sensei. <laughs> please master and, and I said I've never had tequila and he goes here and he handed me his coffee mug well, was just drinking straight tequila yes mm. It's Patron. A it's a mixer, baby. I mean, I get if you do a shot and you need a lime and the salt, that's like an experience, but just mm -hmm. sipping it, do people do that? Oh yeah. I no, I I yes. I we have a friend, we all we all we all know person who is a sips tequila on the rocks kind of guy. <clears throat> Weird. Yeah. yeah. I I, I for tried always it. for uh, for as long as I have known him has been it's that's drink horrible. of choice mm -hmm. like Agreed. it's horrible i was like sipped it and then i was like why i didn't sip it at first i just like like had a had a Not drink good. yeah mm -hmm. and then i was like why why would you do this to your like cigarettes and sweat yeah yeah, yeah. and he laughed and then uh yeah and then he tore my writing apart for the next six months so nice yeah, and well, drink way more tequila. After that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're talking about the Day of the Dead today. Woo! This episode, yeah. So there's, I'm trying to like edit myself. So there's two specific. I'm going to talk a little bit about the holiday itself, and then there's two specific like food things about the holiday that I want to talk about. There's a lot more, so I'll briefly mention some other stuff. But like for the bulk of this episode, episode, I'm just going to talk about two specific things. I am. Just tripping over my tongue left and right. I here. mean, I was too. It's fine. Yeah. It's, I, it's late. It's fine. It's expected. I so I have a confession. I can see you're in my document, Melissa. I am in your document. I'm all up in it. So I cannot say, and I don't know if it's like my dyslexic brain or whatever, but whenever I encounter other languages, and I feel like such a lazy white person when I say this, I get so intimidated and like trip over like can you say Day of the Dead in Spanish for me, Melissa? Dia de los Muertos or Dia de Muertos. It depends. I've seen it both Dia de, Dia Dia de Muertos and also Dia de los Muertos. I don't know which is. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it both ways, too. But I like I like had it written down. I've practiced it several times today. I like listen to the Google Translate thing, say it. And I'm just like. Same thing with my the the soda and tequila thing, and I put yeah. that all up. So I just because Dia de los Muertos is uh, is multiple days, and one of those days always falls on my birthday. I know how to say it. Yes, yes, that's true. I'm very excited for your birthday. Um, because I'm sending you stuff. Ooh, okay. Prezies. Yeah. yeah. Prezies. Um, so that this is kind of funny because this week, so my daughter is six and she has Spanish. Um class and like this week this is what they were talking about and they do and remote I just made the same face because picturing her <laughs> speaking spanish it's so yeah it's just yeah. Cute. It's my heart. she's like yeah oh, like, are you gonna make sure you keep her in like one language like so that she actually like 
yeah I, yeah i want her to like really get a solid grasp on finish i think that's the okay. most useful Perfect. language okay. for her to have but yeah sorry she's an angel and I yeah her. okay continue <laughs> so she like she they had a lesson this week about um day of the dead and it was like really beautiful like i was it's remote learning so like i'm just in the other room but i can like hear what her teacher's saying and i was just like in the other room like crying because i was like this is so beautiful she's learning about these traditions <laughs> um so yeah it was it was like just perfect doing my research and then like overhearing that conversation too um, but the, so like, it's a celebration of those who have passed. And I think that's something that gets lost a lot in America, in the Americanization of it, if that makes sense. For sure. Yeah. Where it's like, we're just like, oh, it's like scary. It's like sugar Ooh, skulls. And this sugar like, skulls. Let's yeah. Is that how for Halloween, which is 100% cultural appropriation. Yep. Don't do it as cool as it fucking looks. I get it. I've been at spirit and I've seen that and I've been like, I want to wear that. But I'm but, a fucking white person. It's not for me to wear on Halloween. So right. don't do it. <laughs> right. Um, and the a little known fact too, the like sugar, the like female sugar skull, the, um, it's, God, I can't remember what it's called. It's like Katarina something. But like there's like a specific, like, like, um, like a very fancy mm-hmm. female sugar skull. And I'm, I know I'm misremembering the name, but that's actually derived from a cartoon from um, a Mexican political cartoonist. Um, from the turn of the century, who is like drawing it to make fun of um, Mexican women who are trying to adopt a more European style of dress. So like it's it's specifically like speaks to cultural assimilation and colonialism and all, like so That's like wild. Th- yeah, Day of the Dead okay. is this like it's this really a- amazing holiday with this really rich history, and I feel like a lot of Americans who celebrate the aesthetic of it don't understand like the actual meaning behind it 100 percent. yeah so like i said it's it's a time for remembrance for loved ones who've passed and then there's like all these like really beautiful like rituals and practices that come with it too so there's this like creation of ofrendas or offering tables where you will have photographs of loved ones and you'll also fill it with like things that were important to the loved ones who have passed away too. And then as you get closer to the day of, you'll, you'll actually put food out as offerings too. So like you'll prepare their favorite dishes. Um, and there's like a couple specific things that are on every ofrenda, but there's some things too that like are specific to the person that you're trying to celebrate and remember too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like this really beautiful like this really beautiful practice and a lot of people will have a friend that's like in their home so they'll have like a specific location in their house that has um you know photographs of loved ones who have passed and and like little mementos and things like that but then there's also a friend that that get kind of like constructed as you lead up to the hallway uh, as you lead up to the holiday around their um, burial place too so like in the actual cemetery at the actual grave site as well and the tradition stems from Aztec culture. So it's over 3000 years old and it's been adapted and changed and modified. And it's now like a globally recognized holiday, but it has Aztec roots. Um, it was originally a, ded- a dedication to the goddess. And I'm so going to butcher this, even though I have tried. So because it's got like every letter in the, elf- the uh-huh. Roman mm-hmm. alphabet. Uh, I can't. Meet Mikteka Shuitel. Melissa, I both. Schwaddle, right? Like, Schwaddle, uh, yeah. Make it to Schwaddle. Schwaddle. 
Yeah, We're going to go with maybe. that because we both said it at the same time. So no one can probably understand what we said. <laughs> and we can just say one of us got it right. We're bad. speaking people. Correct us and call us yes. out. Please. We're really sorry that our yes. stupid white brains <laughs> can't hold on to how to say these fucking words. Even yeah. though English is supposedly like one of the hardest languages to learn. And we just can't be bothered to figure out how to say yours. So we're sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't say we can't be bothered. We're not smart enough. It's a we've tried. Thing. We've, we've tried. tried. We need to try longer and harder yes. and more frequently, obviously. Okay. But so yeah, we got so, goddess M here. Yeah, goddess M. So it's originally part of a festival that was dedicated in her name. And then uh like all cool things, Catholics, when they arrived in oh my God. Central America, we're like this is ours now mm -hmm. so um you know they created the holidays of like all saints and all souls day around the same same time the same couple days mm -hmm. um something i didn't know before doing this research too is that like um the so there's candles that are lit and this is like this is like kind of the bridging between like the um indigenous like historical practices like passed down over generations and the Catholicism that infiltrated the area from like the Spanish, I almost said invasion. I guess that's the right word. Spanish invasion <laughs> yeah. um, and, and colonization of the area where you light candles for deceased family members. But the colors have like really significant meanings too. So, and I had no idea about this, but like if you're lighting a white candle, that's for a virgin woman. So a woman who died before she was able to be married and give birth. Virginity is a social contract. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's beautiful. Okay. Yep. And then blue is for youth. So like teenagers, green is for children. Black is for full grown adults who were married or committed in a committed relationship of some sort. So people who weren't virgins. Um, and then there's also like traditional, like I said, traditional food that you would leave out. So some of the things are like tamales, sugar skulls, which we're going to talk a little bit about tonight. Lots of fruits, candies, specific kinds of porridge. Um, and then you'd also leave out a jug of water too. And they're like both for drinking. And then also there's like a station to like wash. And the idea is that on this like one night and it starts what we celebrate in uh, uh, United States as Halloween, the midnight of Halloween over the next several days. So the midnight of Halloween, there's this idea that like the veil between the worlds of like the living and the dead is lifted and your deceased relatives can come and visit you. Mm -hmm. So in Mexico, they do not look at death as an ending. They look at it as a new beginning. Um, and you have a whole life in the afterlife. Um, and this is the one time of year where you, you can visit with those people. So all the food that's left out, um, some of it would be consumed by the actual living people. Um, but the idea was that the presence of it on the ofrenda was that um, the essence of the food could then sustain the spirits. So like the spirits would eat like the spirit version of the food um which i think is really cool and then yeah. they would also lead out like a road a pathway from their house to the gravesite um or to the altar to the ofrenda so that that way their family and loved ones could find their way and they would do this with marigolds and um marigolds have this like really like rich cultural significance specifically around this holiday they're considered um the flower of the dead um, and leaving specifically like gold marigolds was considered like a golden rug 
Um, and the word for it is Zempa, Zempa Sucho. Again, sorry. Sorry. I thought, I thought you were just going to skip it. <laughs> I should have. But I'm going to keep trying and failing because that's how we learn. That's how yes, we learn. No, that's true. You fail <clears throat> up. Yep. Sure. Um, <laughs> and then there's also like bells that ring throughout the day. So some of these like like these cultural and religious practices are derived from like these ancient traditions. And then some of them, like I said, it comes from like the influence of Catholicism and European traditions too. So like the bells ringing come from like church bells and the candles come from lighting candles in the church. Um, but they're adapted to meet the needs of the existing culture that's there. Um, and something else that's really cool I didn't know is that on November 1st, that's when you remember the children in your family who have passed. And then mm. November 2nd is when you acknowledge the adults and remember and celebrate the lives of the adults. Um, so I didn't realize that there was two separate days for children and adults. And obviously, mm. like like I've been saying, food's like a huge part of this holiday too. So like a lot of the decorations include sugar skulls and paper flowers um, and sugar skulls weren't originally meant to be consumed, although like there's a lot of modern versions of them that are like cake or, or candies that are edible. But sugar was just an easy to mold, like almost like clay-like material. Um, so it was easy to shape it into the shape of a skull. Um, and then you would co combine these food items, like I said, with photographs of the jelly departed. And you'd place them along the altar with real flowers and candles and religious symbols and personal items and things that are like personally and culturally significant and a lot of times families would prepare these like big feasts and they would include favorite meals of those who had died um, and then they would even set a spot at the table at like the banquet table for their loved ones to join up join them too um, so it's really like a celebration of those people's lives um, and it's not meant to be a sad moment. It's meant to be a moment of remembrance, definitely, but it's also meant to be a celebration and, and of joy because they're on a new journey and they get to visit with you. So it's almost like, like a, like a Thanksgiving, but like without any racist uncles, like you just have the joy. <laughs> Thanksgiving with ghosts. Yeah. yeah I will take that. Family. That would be fucking awesome. Most I of know. my best relatives are dead. <laughs> Mm. yeah so that's i and i'm we're gonna talk i'll talk a little bit about like cultural appropriation versus like cultural appreciation too yeah. um but i think that there's ways that as people from other cultures we can like honor and pay tribute to those that we have lost and, and things like that so i want to talk a little bit about sugar skulls and then also the bread of the dead which sounds like yeah, super i am like I, I freaking saw that and I am like <laughs> lasered in. I'm already looking it up, baby, but I, I will wait until you. Yeah. Um, so sugar skulls, I feel like most people like those are recognizable because of things like the Halloween costumes, because they're very like Instagrammable things. And a lot of the um, research I got from this episode or for this episode is from a really great website that's called Mexico in my kitchen. Um, and it's Ooh. written by, yeah, a Mexican-American uh, chef. And he writes about like culturally significant dishes and their historical significance. It's really cool. He has like a whole series of pieces on uh, the Day of the Dead and specific meals and menus and stuff that you can plan around it. It's really neat. Um, but sugar skulls, like I said, they're made from granulated white sugar mixture and they're pressed into usually a skull-shaped mold, but they can also be formed by hand too. Um, after the skulls take shape, they're decorated with all these like colorful icings and foils and ribbons and gems. 
Um, and it, oh, like I said, modern versions, you'll see like sugar skull cakes or sugar skull cookies or sugar skull candies. But the original version, the reason of using sugar was just like it was an easy thing to mold. Um, and sweets are like a really important part of the holiday because, again, this is a celebration of life. It's not like a sad moment in time. It's it's supposed to be a happy, joyous moment where you're mm -hmm. remembering your loved ones and you're enjoying the company of their presence with you, of their souls with you. And then, um, so there's also like the sugar skulls are like one of the last things to be placed on the ofrendas. So they're placed like on November 1st or, or sometimes the day right before what we celebrate in the United States is Halloween. Um, and the, again, the ofrendas can either be in their home. Sometimes people will put them on grave sites if, if they're close enough, um, to the actual grave site. Um, and they'll use smaller sugar skulls to remember, um, the lost uh, children, so children who have passed away, versus larger, fuller-sized sugar skulls for adults who have passed on. And then just like the candles, too, there's a lot of different, like, symbolic meaning behind the colors that you use to decorate the sugar skulls. So yellow represents death, and part of the reason why yellow represents death is because of that connection with marigolds, again, the, the flowers that, like, yellow, orangey hue. And then purple represents grief, white represents purity and hope, like, looking towards the future. So sugar skulls have like become really popular. Like I said, the um, there's different versions of sugar skulls. There's like the like fancier ones that you'll sometimes see like in like illustrations of or Halloween costumes of those are derived from, like I said, a political cartoon that was meant to kind of like make fun of um, Mexican people who were um, turning their noses up at their own heritage um, and trying to adopt a more European style of dress. So this is one of the things that you will find in almost every ofrenda. The other thing that you'll find in almost every ofrenda is the bread of the dead or pan de muerto. And that's a type of Mexican sweet bread. It has a very distinct shape so that like if Melissa can pull up pictures, which I'm sure she oh, can. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and there's a recipe on the Mexico in my kitchen website too, which I, I would like to link to on our blog. Um, it has a really like, distinct like shape. Like a sand dollar or something. Yeah. 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 So sometimes it's like a, a cross with like almost like a nub on the top. And then other times it's more of like a star shape with a nub. And sometimes too, like if you get, you can buy this at like bakeries um, in uh, Mexican American communities or Mexican communities, if you're in Mexico. Um, but sometimes the, the bread, if you buy it like professionally made, it'll be in other shapes too, like shapes of like animals or people um, or other things that are significant. Sometimes there's like a stars or a crescent moon or things like that. Um, but the most common shape is this kind of like round mound that has like a cross or a star mm. pattern with a nub in the center. Hmm. And there's a lot of different theories about like why the bread is shaped this way. Why does it look this way? Um, some people think that like it, the ones that have like a more distinct cross, it comes from, again, Catholicism and this kind of like melding of worlds and cultures that came about through colonialization. Um, but there's also this theory because the, the cross isn't like a straight cross and sometimes yeah. it's more of a star shape. And sometimes like it's like, like really bumpy. So like that it's supposed to look like bones, um, that it's supposed to look, you know, like, um, yeah, like almost like skeletal in nature. Yeah. So, um, but there's no like definitive answer of like why it's shaped the way that it's shaped. 
um, that this bread is like the essential offering that you can make to your departed loved ones. So this, like, obviously the, you know, you're, like I said, the, the idea is that your departed loved ones, when they make the journey from the afterlife to come visit you, that they won't be nourished like by physically eating the bread, but they'll be nourished by eating the essence of the bread. And then the living are the ones that are supposed to physically consume the bread. Look at this one. Oh, why can't I get a bigger picture of it? But yeah, that, it's got like a skull. Oh, yeah. Get out of here with your paywalls and your ads. But oh, this is like separate. Never mind. That's not a good one. It looks almost like. um. <laughs> Challah bread on the inside. Yeah. I mean, yes. it is an enriched sweet bread. So, I mean, that right. makes sense that it would have that kind of same consistency. Oh, I'm uh, making this. Yeah, I want to make this too. <laughs> um, a lot of times it it will be like um, sugared on top. Mm -hmm. So, sometimes you can decorate like like a sprinkling of white sugar or sometimes red sugars too. Um, sometimes people will put sesame seeds on top or sprinkles or they may just like do a simple egg wash on top too while it's baking um so there's different ways that you can finish it most of the ones that i've seen being a white person in new hampshire um so <laughs> limited experience there yeah. um are have had sugar like a powdered sugar yeah. coating on top um, i haven't seen any of the other versions in person but i'm i'm from what i've read they do exist um and then obviously like the flavorings of the bread can change too slightly but it's there's a what looks to be like a really good recipe on that um the mexico in my kitchen site so yum yeah and it is yeast heavy so it's like very dense yes <laughs> yeah yeah um and then i wanted to just like share a quick note about cultural appropriation obviously the three of us are white i don't know if our yes. listeners could tell that by the way we butcher other languages well and we also talk about how we're stupid fucking white people all the time so that might be a tip off yeah yeah that might be yeah that might uh tip them off this one has orange and uh anise extract in it or anise yeah extract in it. yeah a lot of them will have it almost like looking at the recipes it almost reminded me of like the easter braided breads that we looked yeah. at like mm -hmm. when we we're doing our easter episode research like so again like i wonder how much like it's it's all kind of like like muddled together, which I think is really fascinating mm -hmm. and also horrible because colonization. But like, say, what I just sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. This recipe that I found has cinnamon cr toast crunch in it, <laughs> <laughs> but I do I have to say that appear it appears that this woman is of Mexican descent because she says that uh, it's a tradition to celebrate with her family. Okay, so I I think. That she is of Mexican descent, but she does use cinnamon toast crunch in the recipe. That's great. That's so great. I Sorry, mean, hey, work with what you've got. Like, yeah. I mean, cinnamon toast crunch is fucking delicious. It so. really yeah. is. It really is. So, like I mentioned earlier, this holiday started in Mexico. It has roots dating back to 3,000 years, but obviously it's, like, spread to this global phenomenon. And a lot of people today... Um, veer more into like away from appreciation and into appropriation so like it's it's funny because this holiday was like taken back to spain like when spain came over and tried to colonize mexico they were like this holiday is cool i bet we can catholic it up let's bring it back <laughs> um and they did like they did successfully like it's celebrated in spain as well today as mexico i didn't know that 
Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that like, so this holiday like takes all of these different traditions and all these different practices from different religions and different periods in time and different cultures. So this, this holiday in and of itself is kind of like this really cool melting pot of culture and tradition, but you need to make sure that you have reverence and respect for these cultures and that you should research to find out more about other religious practices or cultural practices before you try to adopt them yourself obviously. And then also like, it's okay to identify with other religions and cultures. Like, I think that like you can find solace and, and uh, adapting holidays or traditions and include them in your own life personally, but you don't want to just adopt the aesthetic of something without having kind of like cultural understanding. Right. I think that's key. That's might be the best explanation of appropriation versus appreciation for me because I struggle with it because it was a couple years ago that that my husband and I were at spirit and I was looking at those costumes and I was saying is this appropriation they said well if I have to ask I probably shouldn't buy it but you know that's just me kind of being like "Mm, if I have to ask then maybe it's not okay but I think you make a really good point me getting that and 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 running around in that style without actually really knowing anything about the holiday. Although I'd argue, even if you know about it, you probably shouldn't be wearing any sort of traditional garb because there's a difference between dressing traditionally and like making traditional foods and sharing Mm -hmm. them with people or. Right. And it depends on context too. Like if like your Latinx friends invited you to a day of the dead party, like. Oh, it said dress day of the dead. Right. As opposed right. to like you going bar hopping with your girlfriends and just being like, this would be a cute outfit. Like those are two different I mean, it's really scenarios. Cute. Right. And it's the same kind of thing. Like this conversation comes up a lot too. Like if you ever get, if you have any friends of like Indian descent yes. and like they invite, right. like, do you like, what do you wear to an Indian wedding? Well, you wear like a very specific garb if, if they're following traditional customs. So like it's respectful in that situation to wear, um i can't remember is it a uh starts with an s the like specific dress with like a sari sari sorry thank you yes um as opposed but like if you're like a white girl you should probably not ever wear a bindi like just like walking right around the street right like and if you if you are wearing it because it's cute as a dress without the pants that's really inappropriate (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah 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 i yeah. feel like kate has seen that and that's why she has such strong <laughs> she has a very you should see it's kate's uh, this is not okay face which you don't see that often yeah it's great though when it comes it's out like we know she's you know, there's a line. she's seen this and she's yeah. like honey no yeah no no yeah let's think think before yeah Yeah. if you don't know enough about the culture and the traditions to know whether something might be offensive or not you should probably just stay away from it or learn more learn more like yeah like when i say stay away i mean just don't like outwardly portray that thing Mm -hmm. but obviously go and learn more listen to this episode um, yeah don't and, listen and, to this episode though and think that that means that you can run around and sugar skull get up because yeah, that's no. not what I mean <laughs> no and this is just like the tip of the iceberg like there's so much more to learn at, yeah. like, about this holiday about the mm-hmm. the cultures that influenced it about the religious practices that influenced it the other thing that I like to point out too when it comes to like appreciation versus appropriation is that like looking at 
who benefits financially from like a specific mm, decision. So yeah. for instance, that like sugar skull costume at spirit Halloween Ugh. store, it is not a Latinx. Like, it's by like Avenue, you know? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> or anybody like, who worked at the place, Amy and I worked at oh, yeah. before we both worked at the last place we both worked at <laughs> knows like Avenue. Yep. <laughs> so like asking those questions of like who benefits financially like do I do I understand this culture is it the right moment to wear like a specific outfit like yeah. this like have I been included by a individual of this culture or like am I just like taking something am I columbusing it like um yeah well, so I are- hope I hope you're not cutting people's hands off and making them wear them <laughs> around their neck god <laughs> um goodness i um, hope you're not pulling uh pouring molten lot uh molten hot gold down their throats Ooh, that does not sound pleasant if y'all mm-hmm. don't know what i'm talking about maybe read a little bit about columbus yeah and how he's a well. fucking monster or was a fucking monster, monster. anyway yep. sorry the ghost of columbus i got triggered <laughs> that's okay that's okay um so yeah that that's the like the last thing i want i want you all, all of the citizens to just like sit with is just like yeah. Who's benefiting from this? Because like you can find a bunch of like sugar skull decorations on Etsy, but it's like 99% of the time it's like a white girl in Nebraska who's making <laughs> a sugar skull, whatever. Yeah. So like yeah. don't don't like like find and seek out like Latinx makers. If it's something that you think that makes sense and like feels right for your family to celebrate and learn more about, like yeah. don't go to Target. And buy, and buy like sugar skull salt and pepper shakers or whatever. I so know, definitely don't have any, any <laughs> stuff for Target. But that's definitely yeah. don't have a bride and groom Ooh. sugar skull statue. Shame, Melissa. Shame. And a cat. <sighs> They're really cute. They are really cute. But who does it benefit? And there's and there's a line too because like there's always a question of like okay representation matters like Mm. it's amazing to see things like that in a big box store because like 10 years ago you would not see things like that in a big box store but but it's a trend but it's a trend so like they're just latching on it has been a trend for the last couple years especially in target like the stuff they had this year is the stuff that they had from the previous year because it was trendy so yeah and it's like I like it's okay to learn and grow and be like oh shit like I like I used to I mean I make greeting cards I used to make day of the dead greeting cards and then I realized how problematic that was and I stopped Mm -hmm. (laughs) and grew from that so it's okay it's okay to like reevaluate and stop and learn and grow yeah just be conscious of what you're doing think about it and if Mm -hmm. it makes you pause and think about it then that's probably a good indication that you need to learn more about it or it's something that you maybe don't need to be putting out there yep 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 yep. awesome perfect that was great amy i appreciate it a lot i learned a lot and it's a holiday that i'm really fascinated with so like yeah that i can walk away with a little bit more like i knew the basic stuff but learn knowing a little bit more about the food and the actual purpose of the sugar skulls is really yeah really great it's it's really Mm -hmm. such a beautiful Mm -hmm. concept Yes. Yeah. You know, it's just so lovely to Mm -hmm. think about, to, to have that time, you know, to be able to kind of think about your loved ones in the, in that way. And (laughs) 
I love his little hand. Sorry, guys. Is that I your just, monkey? Yeah, it's Darby. I just distracted Kate with my little <laughs> yeah, it's skeleton. Great. Sorry, but yeah, she it's making a really nice statement, and I ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my life. Are um, you? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's just it's such a lovely, lovely um, sort of idea of of a celebration you know just really really beautiful and you know as opposed to other you know other things that you could be celebrating like i don't know yeah the the complete colonization and murder of millions of people and (laughs) you know um so it's it's just it's really a really cool thing and i didn't really know very very much before this either so thanks yeah awesome I uh, I talked to the the kids about it because, like I said, they're learning about it in school too, and we decided because we've had a lot of loss in our family this year that we're gonna make our own mm-hmm. little ofrenda and like put up pictures of, That's of nice. the people in our family that we've lost, you know, recently, and and little mementos to help us remember them. And so I think it's it's like I said, it's it's okay to a to adopt practices as long as you have the reverence for them mm-hmm. sure. so and as long and and as long as you're not trying to f- make it fit your you're not ch- you're not changing it to make it your own and then put right. it out there to the world as this thing it's great look what i discovered right yeah. right oh wow <laughs> have you heard i'm so thing? clever yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> woof All right. Well, thank you guys. This was great. And thank you, all you beautiful babies, for listening to us. Um, I hope everybody has a very happy Halloween. Have Um, a spooky Halloween. And a great Dia de los Muertos or whatever it is that you celebrate. Get spooky. Mm -hmm. Um, That's all she wrote. Eat all the candy. Eat all the candy. (laughs) Okay. So, bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Drunk Dish. For recipes and more, please visit DrunkDish.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Music. You can also follow us on Twitter at DrunkDishPod and Instagram at DrunkDish. And again, thanks for listening.